Howdy. Welcome to Undersampled Radio, the show where we talk science, tech, oil, business, politics, and more. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Graham. Together, we're the hosts of this circus. To follow the conversation, make suggestions, or rant and rave, please visit the forum Software Underground at swung.rocks. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode two of Undersampled Radio. And you may notice that this is the first show where we've actually had a name for the podcast. Um, we decided on Undersampled Radio because it's a little uh, physics-y, it's a little science-y, um, and it's, it's kind of cool. So uh, the votes were in on our Slack channel, the Underground Radio, and uh, we, we also pushed out a vote on, on a couple of Twitter accounts, and uh, Undersampled Radio came back as number one. So that's what we're going to go with. So we have Matt in studio today. How you doing, Matt? Hello. I'm awesome. Good. And our guest today, why don't you introduce our guest? Yeah, with pleasure. Um, Matteo, it's Nikolai, right? Or do you say Nikoli? Nikoli. Yeah, I, I think I always say Nikolai. But I apologize. In my head, that's what I'm saying. I'll try and say Nikoli. Um, so Matteo, I've known Matteo for a few, a few years. I can't actually remember how we met Matteo. Um, maybe you can fill that bit in. But wonderful guy. He's in Calgary. Um, blogs at mycarter.wordpress.com, and he's on Twitter as mycarter. And um, yeah, I'll let I'll let him introduce the rest of himself. How you, how you doing, Matteo? Not too bad, not too bad. Thanks for inviting me. And if I recall well, it was through our blogs that we met, through just commenting on each other's posts. Right, isn't that cool? Yeah. I, I love that. Yeah, me too. It was great. So Matt's got a, a blog for uh, Agile Geoscience, and uh, Matteo's got a blog, which is actually really, really cool. Um, I, I actually ran into Matteo's stuff recently. He, he's got several posts up there um, just uh, within the past couple of weeks that are fascinating, and we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. But um, both of these guys are writing really cool stuff, and you should check them out. Um, we, I, I see we have in our notes here, uh, Matt has a little bit of background on Matteo. Do, do you mind... Uh, giving us the, the rundown, the quick rundown? Uh, yeah, sure thing. I mean, when I th when we first started um, conversing on the internet, he was at Husky in Calgary, and then and then moved to Dong in Stavanger, the, the most uh, comically named oil company. And I think, I, as I recall, we had a bit of to and fro about that over email because I, I lived in Stavanger, uh, so we were talking about, you know, what it's like being a being a sort of non-Norwegian, I guess, in there, and um, and then he moved back to Canada. And how long have you been back in Canada now, Matteo? We I came back in the summer of 2013, so that's about almost three years now. Right, and you feel pretty settled there. Yes, we 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 came back with the idea of settling back in in Calgary. Yeah, nice. Yeah. And and you're at ConocoPhillips now, right? I am at ConocoPhillips. Yes, I started um, about a year and a half ago, I would say. Um, initially, as quantitative in interpreter in the uh, geophysical service group, and after our reorganization in the fall, I'm now in uh, um, oil sands SACD group. And, and without going too much into sort of 
mm-hmm. officey stuff. Is uh, do do you, <laughs> I mean, how, how's the mood these days in Calgary? I guess it could be better. I would say, oh. you know, we we keep seeing on the news more announcements of uh, staff reduction. Oh, still, really? Yeah, I think it was in the news last week. So now was announced uh, some budget cuts and probably staff reorganization or restructuring. However, is the you know the word of choice? Yeah, right. I know. I can't stand all that sort of. I mean, I I. I understand where it comes from, but the euphemisms and the the double speak it just kind of grinds you down. <laughs> sure. Well, for us uh, uneducated uneducated folk like myself, uh, Matteo, can you tell us what SAG D stands for? Uh, steam assisted gravity drainage, I believe. So, um, this the hydrocarbons that are um, exploited through this. Uh, method are not mobile enough to be produced by conventional means and they're deep enough that they cannot be mined as in how deep are we talking well the projects I've been I'm working on are anywhere between 400 450 meters okay below the surface so they cannot they obviously can't be mined and um, in which case they are, the hydrocarbon is mobilized through um, um, steam injection. Uh, in SAGD, um, there is well pairs that are drilled. So there's one, at each location, there's one um, well injector and one well producer. Okay, what ki- what type of aerial extent are we talking about for these uh, well pairs? The there there are a few meters apart in 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 terms of height. Also, the the injector is uh, at the top, and the producer is at the bottom, and the horizontal length. So the length of the horizontal portion of, of, of the well is typically around 1,200 meters, some more, you, you know, 1,000, 1,200, yes. Okay, yeah. Um, so where do you fit into this scheme? What do you do? Um, well, the project I'm working on is, uh, is a partnership, actually. So uh, Synovus is the operator of the two projects I'm involved in, actually. Uh, Foster Creek and Christina Lake are amongst the oldest SAGD projects in, 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 in Canada. And uh, so they, they operate these projects, and uh, we are a proactive uh, partner. And so by that... I mean that uh, we, you know, we, we we try and help them out with the development, with you know, um, supporting their um, interpretation and you know, suggesting possible alternatives. And so, in terms of the work that I they that I do on a daily basis, um, um, I, you know, it's within my group. I. Um, I do seismic inversion, pre-stack yeah. and, and post-stack inversion, and that's to support 
our geo models and also our internal reserve calculations. Yeah, those are the two primary activities that I'm involved in. Sure. Okay. Um, well, now that we have some background on your on your corporate activities, let's uh, step outside to your extracurricular domain, which is again how I know you from. We have a uh, actually, Mateo is on our um, software underground Slack group. So if you want to uh, hear some of his brilliant insights, go sign up at swung.rocks. Um, but aside from that, his his more um, major uh, blogging activities. Uh, are, as we said earlier, on mycarta.wordpress.com. Um, I see a lot of stuff on there about color maps. How did you get yeah. interested in color maps and color bars? Um, my interest stems mostly from my work as a seismic interpreter. So... Um, by I wrote a bit about it in a in a recent uh, um, essay on the CSCG recorder that I coordinated about programming in geoscience. Um, after a few years of working with seismic interpretation, I had grown fairly unhappy with the color palettes or color maps used as defaults in, in the majority of the software packages that I've been exposed to. Including processing uh, and interpretation packages? I'm talking mostly about um, interpretation. Okay. Which is, no. your, which is your least favorite <laughs> in terms of color bars? What... Uh, what the majority of the times I've seen it called as is the spectrum. The spectrum. Yes. Is that, is that related to jet? No, it's worse than jet. Worse than <laughs> jet? I didn't know it was yeah, a thing. Because if you look at jet, uh, jet's lightness profile, it has kind of an M shape. Mm -hmm. So you go from purple, blue, up to cyan, and then decreases for green a bit and then goes up to yellow and then down to red. So in terms of lightness, um, the spectrum has even more inversions of, of lightness gradients. So it goes up and down several times. Yikes. Yeah, I feel like it, it, it's like if you imagine what a color bar would look like in black and white, right? if you sort of cast it to grayscale. Yes, it's it's like how uniform or monotonic is that uh, that that grayness, that lightness profile? That's yeah. that's what gets you. Uh, that's what gets your knickers in a twist, right? Yeah, you'd want it monotonic and you know with a constant gradient as well. Yeah, and spectrum yeah, yeah. certainly doesn't fit that description that you just. Did you what? Ahead, I was just going to ask what if if the ideal profile is completely linear or or um, is there some sort of um, psycho perceptive layer in there too that means you actually want a nonlinear profile? Um, I think linear is is good. You know, we, we you would want to uh, 
look at it in, in, in full three-dimensional space, but, you know, if looking just at the lightness, you know, uh, linearity in a perception, linearity of lightness gradient in the perceptual color space of choice is, is the ideal property. Now, I've been working a lot with the Sai, Sai, let me get this right, CIE lab color space. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I know that uh, the, the guys that just developed this Viridis color map are working in a newer color space that is more perceptual even than CIE lab color space. So, you know, okay. whatever your choice, I, I guess you, you want for equal steps in the data that is represented to have equal steps in the change in lightness. So that 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 is achieved with a linear gradient in, in the lightness. Where can our listeners go to find comparisons of color bars, which I believe you've you've talked about, and to find some open source color bars which are actually um, linearly correct? I think I don't have the the website here, but these guys that developed the um, Viridis color map for Matplotlib 2.0. There, there's four of them that are brand new. So th those are good, good choices. And they're going to be the default color maps, right? In Matplotlib yes. 2. Yeah, that's that's yeah. pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, it's so Viridis looks. And I forget now. Isn't Viridis is related to uh, the name of a bird? Is that where it came from? It is. I think it's uh, some. <clears throat> is it a parrot or a very a colorful bird of some kind? Right. So um, it 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 was pretty familiar. I think I first saw it at SciPy last year, last July in Austin, at the SciPy conference, and it looked pretty familiar because it looks a lot like the gist color map. It's already a Matplotlib, and yeah. also a lot like your color map, I don't know what you call that, what, what were you... Well, I call it Linear L for linear lightness. L. Although that yeah, one yeah. Is, is not really mine, it's, you know, it's an adaptation of of somebody else's okay. color map, yes. So where, what, um, what's, what, where's that kind of convergence coming from? Or is that just a coincidence or, or what? No, I think if you were to take... Um, well, let, let's make a step back, and in, in doing that, I'll answer your question. I think what, why we read this is really good is, well, in addition to being open and free, it's um, it's perceptual in that it has a very large hue, hue span. So in terms of color, it allows a lot of differences, different colors, and it you know the lightness profile changes linearly through these colors. And the total lightness contrast so from one end to the other end of this color palette is is high and that's that's one of the um requirements that uh bernice rogowitz in one of her papers from some years ago the witch blair project <laughs> a funny play on on uh, tony blair and on an old movie um, 
uh, was that you know the requirement would be to have at least a, a 60% span of the total lightness gradient between zero and 100. So that that's be a minimum. Below that, uh, based on user studies, color palettes are not were not chosen by you know the, by the users in these studies as uh, pleasing or effective. Okay. So I would say. You know that's a, that's a good starting point. Now, in answering your question, I would say if you were to take the entire hue range from say, you know, zero to three hundred and sixty, and then as you change around the, this hue circle, and all the colors from you know purple all the way to red on the other hand of this hue circle, and change linearly the lightness. Um, you from between say zero and one hundred or twenty and eighty, you cannot but converge to certain colors. Yeah, I see. So well, it would be similar to that Gstart. It would be similar to the Cube Helix default. It would be similar to the one that I've adapted from Kinderman and his co-authors. Right. Yeah. If you guys haven't seen it, there is a video on YouTube, a presentation by, uh, I actually can't remember the author's name, but Matt, maybe you know, it was at a uh, SciPy conference about right. the Veritas color map and its comparison to other ones. And it's actually, the guy is a great presenter. He's funny. It's totally worth a watch. I'll, I'll post the link on, on the show notes if you guys want to check it out. Um, did you Did you get to see that in person, Matt? Uh, yeah, yeah, we were there. It was uh, it's a really good talk. It is definitely worth watching. Um, and I wonder if, before I forget, Matteo, if you could post the link to that Witch Blair uh, paper, that would be kind of fun. I'd like to see that. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I will do that. We'll put that Thanks. in the show notes too. Um, so, Matteo, what are you doing now? What are you doing for fun on the side? What are you doing for fun at work? Um. Well, for uh, for fun, you know, let's start with the fun. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, one of the things I'm, I'm really excited is a project that we actually started uh, last uh, spring, I guess in May, at the Geoscience Hackathon that Matt uh, got uh, running in, in Calgary, um, attached to the CSCG convention. And uh, in that project with um, a couple of teammates, um, uh, Elwin Galloway and Evan Saltman, we uh, came up with uh, a, I think, a really neat uh, web app that will allow users to take a screen capture of a sketch, a geological sketch, and um, apply some morphological and image processing um, enhancements to the image converted to an actual geological sketch with you know bodies that are you know fill, color filled and then the idea would be to then have it sent to agile's modeler so as to produce a, a synthetic out of that Geological model. That sounds so we're awesome. really excited, and in fact, as of this week, it will probably be up and running. And okay. we're thinking of deploying it as a dual uh, app, one where anybody can come in and 
upload a, 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 an image or a sketch of any kind, not, not just a geological sketch, and have it converted to, to um, a color field model. And then the second one will be using, um, I guess, uh, modeler as a, an API and allow for the for the extra third step of, of getting a, a synthetic model, a seismic synthetic seismic model. Cool, we still have to agree with Matt and uh, on the details, but I think we're thinking of dual deployment. Well, yeah, uh, right. it sounds awesome. Where can we sounds find cool. it, and when will it be available? Uh, well. The website is sketch2model.com and two was in number two, so okay. that should be pretty straightforward. But I, I can add the link or send you the link. And then well. modeler is modeler without the e dot io, I think. Is that right, Matt? It, without the second e, yeah, model r dot io. And yeah, the, it, it, was su it was such a cool project. Um, really. It's the first and possibly still the only project where a team at a hackathon is built onto something that we'd already that we already had. That you know, and this was part of the vision for Modeler in the first place was that it would be this kind of extensible web API that people could kind of write other tools against. So it was really exciting to see that. And and I mean, Matteo has always just been really, you know really interested in image processing and so on. And they've really nailed this kind of I mean, even the demo they had at the hackathon was literally like drawing on, I don't know if it was actually a napkin, but it might as well have been a napkin with a Sharpie marker and taking a photograph with a phone. You know, that's the beauty of these web apps is they just sort of plug right into things like mobile technology. Take a picture of this like wireframe model uh, of a geological cross-section and, you know, three seconds later, it's this filled-in PNG all with the right colors and everything, ready for modeler to to treat as an Earth model, and you can then attach rock properties to them in, to the different segments in modeler, and then treat it as an Earth model and forward model it as a, as a seismogram. I mean, it's just so cool. So you know, it's like draw something on the whiteboard and have a synthetic seismogram uh, right on your iPad or whatever. Five seconds later, I think that's just. I mean, that's magical, right? So It sure is, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm so excited about that project. Very I cool. am, too. I've been looking for a way to develop uh, synthetics off of uh, complex velocity models without having to do any weird stuff on the computer with, with the VEL model in the first place. If I can just draw a geologic cross-section on a, on a piece of paper, that takes, all, that takes care of the whole thing. I love it. <laughs> Exactly. Cool. So yeah, it's and and also just re really cool that Matteo and uh, Evan and um, uh, um, oh, what's his name? Help me out, Matteo. Elwin and Elwin, right? Uh, you know, working, carrying on, working on this project after the fact, meeting up and in their own time, just uh, getting it to the point where it's deployable. It's very cool. Yeah. Well, in me... fact, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say we kind of started an informal Python group, the three of us here in Calgary. So we will continue onwards after this. And in fact, just yesterday, I threw at them a, a bone. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of, since I might not be able to participate into a hackathon this year, or at least a Giles hackathon, 
because uh, I can't travel to Vienna, I'm thinking of taking on the NASA space hack, which is in April, and you can participate remotely. So mm -hmm. if I can uh, manage to get up to speed with uh, geospatial analysis in the next two months, I might give it a try. Sounds like a fun yeah. side project. Where can, is there a website for that? Where can we find it? I can send you the link. Yes, it's really, really cool. There's there's a number of different options. You you know you can work on remote sensing um, data on the planet Earth. So for you know say tracking deforestation or things like that, or you can plan a mission to Mars, or you know there's there's all sorts of extremely exciting projects. Very cool. We'll post a link to that in the show notes as well. Um, Matt, I, I see you have a note here about LIGO, the facility which detected gravity waves. It's actually around the corner, down the street from my house. Um, it, it, the huh. note mentions Python. What about that? Uh, yeah, well, it, um, I guess as the news about LIGO was coming out, uh, whenever that was, was it last Thursday? Um, the, you know, people were obviously... <laughs> it, it was actually impossible to download the paper for a while. It's open access paper. Um, uh, there's so many people hitting the server that the server kind of crumbled. But, but as people started getting their hands on the paper and sort of tweeting uh, figures and that kind of thing, it, people started to notice that, that um, the figures looked a lot like they come out of Matplotlib and they were using this Viridis um, color map and some of the figures are really nice and kind of eye-catching, and especially to geophysicists because it's basically all just signal processing, right? The, the detector is kind of like a giant seismometer or ex extremely sensitive seismometer. Um, but it's even, I, I think, in a kind of in the seismic band, it seemed like a lot of the frequencies they were talking about were similar to the ones that we deal with. Um, so that kind of piqued my interest. But and th and then they did a uh, an ask uh, ask me anything on Reddit. And someone asked specifically about the role of Python in their collaboration, and uh, it's, it's worth there's a, there's a link in the show notes, but it's worth going and reading that conversation or that online thread because um, it's clear that you know they're really committed to reproducible science, they're really committed to doing things in, you know with open access and open source software, and um, yeah, it's just it's just nice to read about the role of these tools we use every day in this kind of epic discovery. Very cool to be able to see our science in action in a, in a field that we're not used to, to thinking about. Um, and in fact, I wanted to mention before we, last, last question for Matteo before we go, is uh, recently he posted a, a, a post to his, to his blog about the similarity, not, not the similarities, but it, it's striking how similar the analysis of, of CAT scan data is to seismic data. And in fact, what he was doing was comparing a coherence, basically a 2D coherence measure um, between this CAT scan image and saying, oh, this is what it would be like with seismic. Uh, Matteo, how did you get involved in that project and, and how, how did it develop? Um, that blog post actually is just a, a small... Um, uh, let's call it uh, an offspring of uh, a project uh, I did for fun again in MATLAB a couple of years ago that I'm slowly porting into Python. So the idea would be to take um, 
a CAT scan image and uh, which I assume as a analog for for a geophysical image although you know there, there was a discussion on on the comment section of the blog post with Evan about the fact that uh, perhaps this is more similar to um, to uh, gravity in geophysical image and I would say maybe an ultrasound uh, image would be more similar to seismic but uh, apart from that which doesn't really worry me much um, the idea of that project was to take this image as something that we know um, how it should look like so because we know that you know a skull has specific features it has you know like uh, the orbits for the eyes and has a jawbone and and everything so we you know even if we contaminate it with really high levels of noise um and then we try and filter out this noise we 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 can use it as a way of testing these filters because we know what we should expect once the noise has been removed. So I uh, I, uh, I played a lot with that image and I haven't posted anything about it yet. Um, and then it just occurred to me to also try edge detection and see what the effect of, of noise and then noise removal had on the edge detection. And uh, on top of that, for this latest blog post, I, I decided to experiment with the effects of, of decimation. So of, you know, taking every second row and column from the original array out and then interpolating back to the same size and seeing how the effect of the deterioration of, of the image and of the of the edge detection or coherence results were. Well, it's, we, very, it's very interesting. I, I really love this image. I mean, I find it really useful in this kind of modeling. Sure. So hopefully there will be a lot longer posting on the simulation of, of seismic acquisition footprint and how it can be removed with frequency filters in, in, you know, in, in Fourier domain. Excellent. Well, the, the blog post is awesome, and we won't give you all the spoilers here. We'll let you go read the article because it's fascinating, and the images included are, are very robust. So go check it out on his on his blog. Before we get out of here, I want to ask a question to Matt, which is, what the hell are you doing building a computer? <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you mean? You can just buy them? <laughs> Come on. Why do all that work? I don't know. I guess I, I don't know. I sort of a bit interested in, I think in a way it's just sort of, I don't think I really appreciated until I started reading a bit about it that you could literally just go and buy what isn't actually that many parts, you know, a dozen parts and and that's all you really need to you know, like put a computer together. And I, I don't know, I kind of like the idea of um, choosing, you know, it tends to be that if you want some kind of you know crazy high-end processor you also get all the crazy high-end other stuff um, that you you know you may or may not need kind of 
12 storage bays in your case and that kind of thing. The background to this story is that our resident software expert, Matt Hall, has now got jealous and he's moving into the uh, the hardware building domain, I think. So yeah, he's, yeah. we've got a link up here. So obviously, Newegg.com has, has a great selection of computer parts, but there's also a, a link in our show notes to ca.pcpartpicker.com that you guys should check out if you're interested in building computers. What we'll do is... Uh, whether Matt wants me to or not, I'm going to include the updates on his successes and failures of this computer build <laughs> on the software underground as he goes along. And what, uh, what's so what's so cool though is that what if it like you can build the perfect geophysics computer and then you can like have that as a kind of template that other people can go build. That's right. Right. So it's like one click order of the awesome undersampled radio PC. Mm -hmm. That's right. Complete with our our badge on there. Yeah, yeah, and a, and a hard drive with, with all three episodes of the podcast on it. Oh, it's, it's two, a 10 terabyte hard drive, I think. Uh, all this hot air is not going to fit on a 1 TB hard drive. Uh, but make sure y'all don't order the computer within three months because we don't have any practice yet and it'll be garbage. So, okay. Um, so with that, I'd like to say, again, thank you uh, to Matteo for joining us today. It's it's been a pleasure to talk to you and an honor to speak with the guy who's done so much fascinating work just in his part time for fun. Thank you for inviting me. It was great to meet you. Well we'll see you guys next week. Thanks a lot for stopping by to Undersampled Radio. Mm -hmm.